0: Call it. Call it, yes. For what?
1: Just call it. Welcome to episode 69 of Call It Friend, or the podcast where usually two friends watch two films decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself Andy, J. Ritchie, and DJ Richie, my co-host Donna katiernan instead watched Matt Reeves' The Batman. As always, the podcast contains spoilers for the film right from the start. Check out JustWatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. You can find us on Instagram at call it friend Podcast. Drop us a line there if any feedback or recommendations. Peace. Yay, we're live. We are live. Look what happens when we take a week off from recording.
2: The world goes to shit, huh?
1: That's it, yeah, but luckily you managed to escape from your Russian bot farm and watch some films and stuff, right?
2: Uh, some films, yeah, but uh, very comfortable films. The French week kind of scared me a little bit, I think. I Yeah, to- I, don't, I don't
1: think, I don't think we're, you know, we're not in a frame of mind for horrors anymore, body horrors especially.
2: Oh, no, 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 I'm going at, on a Tarkovsky run this week. Oh, really? Okay. That's an <laughs> interesting joke. Actually, no. I mean, speaking, of, we are, of course, referring to the war in Ukraine. I've only, have you ever seen a Ukrainian film?
1: No, but I did actually look up uh, a bunch of them. I and, saw a
2: Ukrainian uh, film at a festival once. It's called The Tribe. It's incredible. Oh, yeah.
1: That, that's actually, that's one of the films that I looked up. Is that the one with uh, the deaf? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People and prostitution and in a school, etc.?
2: Exactly that. It is. That's
1: one of the films I looked up. I I uh, I flicked through it and I was like, yeah, I should probably not have this on my computer.
2: Oh, it's incredible! <laughs> I recommend it. I saw Carey it. Get um, rid of it. I think I, yeah, I think I reviewed it for Philip Ireland back in the day, um, for the Jameson Irish Film Festival, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's. I thought it was incredible. I actually. Um, have been trying to source a copy in my local blockbuster to maybe uh, give it a spin oh, again. Oh, well, I
1: have I can I have it. I can give you uh I can send the DVD. Oh, very uh, good. over to over to Spain for you and put it in your hand. The it, other thing I got hold of is Winter on Fire that. Oh, that's excellent. Well, I guess it's on Netflix, the Netflix documentary about the Yeah, yeah. the 2014 Q I've seen that a couple of times slash I think.
2: revolution. It's quite interesting that. I mean, it was so on the ground at the time, you know what I mean, mm. like the the footage is comp- like well, I mean, it doesn't compare to Ukrainian TikToks today, but uh, it's, well, it was pretty hands-on.
1: Well, I, at the moment, Sean Penn is, uh, is currently filming a documentary on the ground there.
2: You know, who knows? Maybe, maybe Vladimir Putin's just trying to get Sean Penn, and in that case, I salute him.
1: I don't know. Sean Penn, uh, I think we both watched... Uh... A film yes, featuring which he a was really interesting good performance from Sean Penn. Yeah, like a non-Sean Penn, Sean Penn.
2: Yeah, really good. I, I really enjoyed him in that. I it really enjoyed everybody in that.
1: So where shall we start with what we've been watching? We are eventually going to talk about the Batman.
2: Yes, hell yeah. And I'll keep completely stum on what I think of it until that point. Um, okay, okay. so I supp- I'll start. i start. Why what? not? I, you after, tell me one and then I'll tell you one. After the French week and also because that book i read about peter jackson still very much fresh in my mind i re-watched the lord of the rings trilogy
1: how many times do you think you've seen it at this point
2: oh lord <laughs> like the first one possibly 20 times the other two Jesus. with all together it's like seven or eight maybe 10 i don't know a lot i've seen it a lot but i am a big fan i like I'll, I'll i'll speak along to it and i did this time as well uh the first is still the best absolutely i i really that still blows me away. It's just got such pace. But each of the films have kind of diff- just very interesting different tones. Like the second comes across more like, um, it's it's almost like an addict movie. Like the two boys being addicted to the ring in parts. Well, the, also you've got like the junky sort of inflections of Wormtongue. Um, but it builds and builds in scope as it goes along. And as well, because the book was fresh in my mind, I I was also watching the supplementary materials, not the book of Lord of the Rings, the book Anything You Can Imagine by Ian Nathan about Peter Jackson. Like all the technological developments they had along the way to make the film work better. Like, have you heard of their massive technology? It's called Massive.
1: No, (laughs) that's a good name, though.
2: It's fascinating. So they invented a type of technology for large-scale battle scenes that every large-scale battle scene uses now where each of the little soldiers has an AI of their own. And then they fine in on the animation, but they give them, like, a, a vast range of movements. So it gives the even the CGI hordes a very naturalistic feel. Anyway, yeah, I think it changed the world of cinema in a kind of a Bob Dylan sort of a way, if you will. Like I've said before, I don't think there... Well... In a Bob Dylan way, meaning if some, if Bob Dylan was famous for saying uh, the times they are, are changing and also uh, if I hadn't been born, someone would have invented me. And that might have happened eventually with um, the world of cinema. But I think The Lord of the Rings was a big push start for how epic in scope you could get, like even in terms of the world of TV, just going to show what kind of patience people had for such a long narrative. You know what I mean?
1: Like because well, shooting three films back to back, that as well. too, that I feel was like a, a few things have started going down that road.
2: That was a big one for that to, for that as well to actually, but like risky. I mean, and talk about like a risky venture. I mean, I will say today the main film we're talking about today, I think, was a risky ass venture. Let's see if it pays off, Tom. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Lord of the Rings. Just I don't know, even compared to something that came out this year the Wheel of Time, let's say, like the world of Lord of the Rings feels so lived in and real. And you you can tell that they just, that was a big focus for for them. There was no finished script of any of the movies ever. They were always just thinking on the fly and it just really, really comes across to make the world feel realistic every little piece of design is unique it's just fantastic i'm singing the praises of a trilogy that won how many oscars why am i doing it i love it you should watch it sometime
1: for finally speaking out i have watched them i watched those films i'm not a huge fan what had uh peter jackson done before like right before making that trilogy i feel like his career was not great
2: no his career was on the build the
1: frighteners That was the that
2: that was the last one. Well, the one that really put him the one that really put him on everybody's uh, radar was Heavenly Creatures.
1: Oh yeah, I remember that one. Which is the the murdering teens? Were they kids? Mm. Yeah, exactly. But
2: he had a cult following based on his early films. uh, What's the
1: one called? Bad.
2: Bad taste. Taste. Bad taste. Bad taste. Brain dead or dead alive? Oh yeah. Which is not great, um, in my opinion.
1: But that jump from there to yeah. The Lord of the Rings trilogy. Well, the Again, thing this is, is, this is a groundbreaking conversation. But yeah, sorry, go ahead.
2: But the thing is, with like starting, starting with heavenly creatures and then moving on uh, to the frighteners, he was pushing the boundaries of what technology was doing. And he with for the frighteners, he actually started Weta Workshop, which went on to do the special effects for Avatar. I don't know. He was kind of getting his invitation to make something big. You know, he was. Um,
1: it's a shame he didn't cast Michael J. Fox in Lord of the Rings. It is. I mean, wouldn't have had
2: to use all those body doubles for Hobbits for the shots he was in. Mm, That's true. Would have made a good Gollum.
1: What have you been watching? I I thought Gollum too. Uh, Well, I've watched a few things. I've watched quite a few things. I guess I'll start with something. It's mostly stuff that you've already seen and have commented on. So it's just me catching up with things and going like, oh yeah, you were right. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) Which I'm sure you'll like to hear. But first of all, uh, well, I finally got around to watching Mike, Fl- Mike Flanagan's Netflix miniseries, Midnight My Ass. Mass. How good
2: is Midnight My Ass? It's very good. It's it very, very good. very good.
1: Isn't it? I'd only watched the, the first episode and then I took a huge break, among other things. But I think the first episode doesn't really give too much away. And oh, it's slow probably as Probably needed to give me a little bit more to keep going. But as soon as they introduced the angel. In inverted commas, angle that was really what sold it for me. Because you know, okay, mild spoil, mild spoilers for Midnight Mass here, but it's a vampire. But they refuse to say the word vampire, and they yes. don't, they don't indulge any like vampire lore. No, and they don't, they don't talk about putting stakes through hearts, and like the vampire can go into a church and do whatever it wants. It's it has some of the same kind of limitations, but. They're, they're treating it more like it's like a blood disease that'll keep you alive. But if you're exposed to sunlight, you'll burn.
2: The propulsion that the series builds up as it goes is something else, isn't it? Like by the end, yeah. the last two episodes are just insane, like chaotic, edgier seat stuff. I think the moment the show really sort of explodes is, um, again, without giving too many spoilers, when a particular character uh, arrives to the church and just the angel hops on him
1: yeah that's a that There's was a, a big
2: g- shock for me. I remember when I was watching it
1: i enjoyed the I enjoyed the episode. It could be maybe the fourth episode, the one again No no spoilers here, but where two of the characters go out on a boat, yes, out into the ocean and it's oh, um, yeah what a yeah, like yeah what that, an ending. the whole ep- the whole episode is basically just like a flashback of what's happened to one of the characters but you, and you know what's coming like yeah, you, yeah. even from the start, you know how it's going to end. But it just ends with one of the characters screaming. <laughs> I think it's, it's his well masterpiece
2: done. so far, Old Mikey Flanagan. I still well, need to rewatch I, I, my other, my previous favorite, which I believe you watched this week. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So this watching Midnight Mass, it. it uh, I guess I was thinking about it. I thought like it's interesting that Flanagan has moved into TV or Netflix streaming stuff. He's made those two haunting series for Netflix. Mm. And I think one of the strengths of that is he can just hold a scene of characters talking for ten minutes. Yeah, some of the monologues. I, I mean, it, yeah, there's there's a lot of that. I mean, Hamish Linklater, who played the priest in Midnight Mass. I mean, he's amazing. Yes, there's scenes of him just giving sermons where I'm like, okay, I'll I'll sit here for ten minutes listening to him him give an insane sermon. Like I'm I'm perfectly happy to do that. Um but yeah, it is like I guess some critics could be bored a little bit by some of these Mike Flanagan things, but I love those scenes that are like plays in this series of, you know, the characters sitting around in the in the church hall having um AA scenes.
2: Yeah, ama- amazing, incredible the AA scenes.
1: And like even the and side character of the, that
2: of that um the alcoholic guy with the dog. Yeah. And like the little I don't remember
1: any characters' names, but yeah, old alcoholic guy
2: old alcoholic guy with the dog i mean there's a real feel of the stephen king's off him which i'm sure is something michael mike flanagan would wear as a badge of pride but like you know when that woman kills his dog basically and he fucking Mm -hmm. knows it was her there's that's really powerful that scene though those that does
1: feel very stephen king richard roper said this is the best stephen king story stephen king never wrote
2: Oh yeah, hell yeah. It's like, it it has huge Salem's Lot vibes. But at the same time, something that is uniquely Flanagan-like, because I mean, big themes in his work throughout have been recovery and loss of faith. Mm -hmm. And this is Mm -hmm. the, the magnum opus of all of those coming together. Um, I also think, I think it's fair to say, anybody who would say that this is boring, I mean, they're and it's not to say they're dumb, but they probably don't have a good attention span for for good stuff. I would go as far as to say that because this isn't particularly arty. It just kind of no asks, it's another genre piece. Yeah, it asks a bit of um, emotional vulnerability of its audience, almost a little bit, because you do have to get into the characters. But it's for me that was effortless. Like I love his stuff. I love all the monologues. I, I sure I was yeah I was vamping on about this show when when it came out. I'm glad you caught up with it. I'll definitely rewatch it.
1: As I say, I mean the first episode was a kind of slow introduction, and I had no idea where it was going. And I guess still I scary. There's a scary moment in it. Yeah, yeah, at the end. But I mean, I should have had more faith in Mike Flanagan because he's the goat horror wise, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. And so, are yeah.
2: working on another Mirni series right now, right?
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It's called something like the the Midnight Club, something like that. Yeah, should be good. But speaking of Stephen King, I was inspired to. Uh, To rewatch Mike Flanagan's most recent film, which was his adaptation of uh, Doctor Sleep. Now, you've when did you watch this? You only watched it a couple of months ago or something. Long
2: ago, yeah, yeah, not long ago.
1: I watched it last year at some point or two years ago for the first time. I watched the three-hour director's cut, which includes 28 minutes more footage than the theatrical cut. I don't think I've even seen the theatrical cut of this. I think I've only seen the director's cut. I can't remember the first time. But
2: I remember thinking it was quite long, so. Yeah. Not in well, a bad the, way. the main
1: differences are the main differences are that the director's cut is structured into six chapters. So it's it's a bit oh, more in line with, his, with his TV's work. But yeah, with his TV work there's like little kind of chapter headings come up on the screen. I love this film. Yeah, yeah. And for for lack of a better phrase, I would say it 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 shines. <laughs> like it genuinely has got something about it. I don't know why it is. There's so much en- energy. it's, it's so dynamic it's just uh, it's such an enjoyable film to watch
2: oh you're getting me hot around There's, the color i want to watch it again now uh, it, I,
1: I would i would i could genuinely watch it, a three-hour film this three-hour film again without any problems you've got rebecca ferguson's irish traveler baddie she's very powerful and scary sam yeah, very good. as her deputy uh ewan mcgregor's a fine alcoholic danny torrance and his low at the start of the film is incredibly dark. It's pretty similar to Zach Guilford's character in Midnight Mass. Mm. Um, in terms of, like, minor spoilers for Doctor Sleep, but, like, Ewan McGregor's Danny Torrance leaves uh, a lady to OD with her oh, child. Jesus, yeah, And her child dies as, as well. Like, uh, we, we can only assume that that actually happened, right? He sees images of it, but through his shine. So he sleeps with a woman and leaves her and her child to die basically yeah it's it's beyond dark considering like you know linking this to the shining it's mad but i think the fact that this manages i may have said this already before i'm sure i talked about dr sleep before but the fact that this manages to function as a satisfying sequel to kubrick's shining and king's novel is extremely impressive and it's sad they bombed yes you know i'm I'm happy that flanagan is you know found his home at netflix nowadays well Doctor Sleep, man. It's a fun film.
2: Well, I don't know if you remember, what actually got me to watch Doctor Sleep in the end was I reread the book of The Shining, and I realized it's it's a book about alcoholism, for sure, mm. without a doubt. And um, that, in turn, led me to the book of Doctor Sleep and eventually the film, and uh, yeah.
1: How I'd, do you feel about the book of Doctor Sleep? Because I'd be in- intrigued to read it.
2: Well, it's not as good as The Shining, but it is really good. But I just think The Shining's an, an amazing book. I think it's totally... One hundred
1: percent. What about Doctor Sleep book versus film? The film is
2: the film is a very impressive adaptation. You can he- feel the director connected an awful lot with the work. I'll mm. say that because the the book is good, but it does have the unbearable feeling of oh, I suppose I'll do a sequel to The Shining. I wonder what happened to Danny <laughs> Torrance. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's, I, that, that's that's a good thing about the film is it doesn't. Like, it feels like it could almost stand on its own. Yeah, Obviously, no, it's got the, the a. Yeah, whole yeah. Overlook Hotel. Like, without the Over- Overlook Hotel section, that would function as its own film. You know, yeah, it doesn't yeah. need to be tied into anything. The, 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 the story with these kind of vampire like creatures that are eating special people's souls is that's a strong enough story.
2: And, like, even though they use, like, some direct visual cues from the Kubrick film, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel fan servicey or anything like that mm-hmm. i don't know what yeah. ha, what way he shot that to not get a, like because i when i watched it anyway it wasn't me going oh look there's the door no it was just it felt yeah, right it
1: was i think it was fine as opposed to the the shining scene from uh ready player one that felt a little bit more fan servicey but still enjoyable because it was it'd been such a long time since anyone had done anything like that
2: no i also watched again went into comfort viewing territory I can speak these both in almost the same breath because they're very similar shows. I watched series three of Billions and series four of The West Wing. These are just like writer's shows where writers get to have their fun. Of the two...
1: Were, were, you, were you... I mean, this, you were re-watching The West Wing. Is this you watching Billions Wing. for the first time?
2: Yes. Okay. So Billions, like I enjoy it. but <laughs> It does this funny thing where every single character before they answer a question wants to tell a story. you know the king of Arabia like every single time (laughs) you know what I mean that feels
1: very West Wing as well though now
2: the West Wing does it better he's better with the rhythm of that kind of thing instead of like instead of having a feeling of this is a monologue he'll make a monologue a two part dialogue you know what I mean something like that I suppose is what I'm trying to say but like I enjoy both a lot I eat up TV like that Um, in season 3 of Billions you've got no, what am I going to try and explain the plot it's, for us? This just is the Billions. story about this <laughs> it's it's story
1: about John and Steve Billion.
2: <laughs> it's Paul Giametti Billion versus Billion Damian Brothers. Lewis, the district of attorney, the district attorney of New York versus a uh, hedge fund manager played by Damian Lewis. I don't know. They monologue. There's cigars. There's so much food. It's a real food centric show. Uh, the West Wing, on the mean, t- like I, w- I remember, like so. I, I Which watched one
1: season four of the West Wing.
2: Season four was Sorkin's last season. Mm. Um, I, I remember it's about to get shit, so I'll put off season five for a while. <laughs> but um, season uh, season four has Zoe Bartlett, uh, played by Elizabeth Moss, going out with um, a French Elizabeth dude. Moss, wow! Oh, it's been a long time,
1: has it? Yeah, <laughs> I can't believe that she. Was. Yeah, it's like Elizabeth Moss, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah, Elizabeth God. Moss is Zoe Bartlett, and um, it's very it's funny because so it, it it ends in the final episode. Spoilers for the West Wing guys, sorry. In the in the final episode, she's graduating from college, and she's there with uh, her French boyfriend, who of course we hate because we love her ex boyfriend, Charlie, played by what's his name?
1: <laughs> I don't recall at all. Uh, I've in, seen all this, but it's been twenty years. Anyway, anyway, so who's Charlie? Which one's Charlie? He's
2: played by the black dude who
1: was in. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's like the. Uh, he he's was in lockdown security team. Is no, he not, no, he's the Charlie? president's aide. Oh, <laughs> okay. he's in he's in lockdown or is he he like the guy that they have the video call with yes exactly uh his name is julie hill julie hill something like
2: that yeah 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 Yeah. i think so anyway as (laughs) it's very funny because it's just they we are built up to hate the french guy and they do not pull the punches on the french stereotypes he's just such a wanker and in the end of the series, he like, uh, spikes her with half an ecstasy in a club and she gets kidnapped by Islamic terrorists. It's a, it's a riot. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's he's an totally school. to blame. It's a French ploy. Yeah, exactly. Um, one thing I'll, I'll just say, though, like for a writer, it must have just been... Like, it's just such a perfect setup because it's a presidency. You don't really need too much plot for your characters because the outside world gives you your plot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You don't need to work out stuff. As a matter of fact, any of the plots with the characters, like any of their little love stories or anything like that, are always way less interesting than whatever Leo McGarrigal and fucking Jeb Bartlett have to tussle out in the in the Oval Office. So yeah, I really did enjoy that. And uh, one more shout-out to the Comfort TV. I also watched Louis Theroux's Forbidden America, his newest show, all three episodes, first about internet all right people, or just far-right people, I would say. Uh, second about uh, gangster trap rap in Florida and third about me too in like the porn industry the second episode about the trap rappers in Florida is the best even though i'm not a big fan of trap rap as I'm, and some of the sh- songs that they portray as hits the guys is just, just called trap i don't know i'm an old man i don't know that no, either know. yeah yeah i hope not i hope i said it right but anyway yeah
1: trap rap that's a thing
2: there's like uh this one guy i mean he his, his Glock 9, I think is his name. And he actually does have a decent sort of a way with words, not when he's talking, when he's rapping. When he's talking, he does not. None of them do. They're all, like, out of their minds on Xanax. It's quite sad, but then some of them are talented, and as Louis Theroux says, it's kind of a bit of a... It's moving because it's a meaningful artistic expression of a horrible shit situation, and it is real because he, like, visits a bunch of people in prison. But the first one, the far-right episode man, God damn, you'd be ready to throw some shit at your TV, such fucking arseholes. But the main takeaway for me for the series is Louis Theroux is like, he's not as amused at the state of the world anymore. He's very sad. <laughs> he's a sad it's man. He's like 50 now. Yeah, he doesn't find it so funny anymore.
1: Well, I think he had to kind of apologize a little bit for letting Jimmy Savile off the hook. <laughs> he took some. He took some stick for that. He had to come out and say like, listen, I'm sorry I didn't. Well, did you watch the I follow-up documentary? Ah, uh, yeah, I see. I, I, I definitely watched it. I don't remember much about it, except for him that was fascinating. Like, My apologies, folks. I could have stopped. It, to be fair, everything, all the bad stuff had already happened at that point. So, I don't know if Jimmy Savile was still doing bad stuff right up to his death. Anyway, shout out Louis Theroux.
2: Yes, I would recommend it if you're into uh, Louis Docs. It's they're good.
1: Yeah, I've I've watched a lot of things, but maybe, like you said, I was maybe more into it when there was a funny side to it, <laughs> when it was a bit, it was a bit more lighthearted. I don't know if I want to watch, like, uh, I don't know. The world's a dark place now, Donica.
2: I enjoyed them, but legitimately the first one uh, really rubbed me up the wrong way. Just these absolute <laughs> cunts.
1: <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Well, I, I've got just a few things to mention very, very briefly. I'm not going to say much about them. I finished a couple of things. Uh, I finished Peep Show season six to nine. I went a bit mad because I think I talked about season five and then I just steamrolled through the whole thing. Mm. And there's nothing more horrifying than realizing that you are I'm the same age as Jeremy in the final episode. <laughs> it's not good news. Jeremy's 40 was, in the final episode. Yeah, yeah, he has his birthday. Uh, you're doing better than jeremy andy don't worry i'm very close (laughs) very similar very similar life choices and uh romance choices (laughs) are you a gay guy too (laughs) yeah i think so (laughs) i was mostly just laughing like as that's the sad part about being the same age as them now is just laughing at the like recognition of certain things it's oh no oh no but it was great, obviously. It's amazing. I also finished Cobra Kai season four. A few twists and turns along the way. I really enjoyed it. Looking forward to season five. I haven't watched obviously, any of it yet. You know, it's mad. I'm going to watch ridiculous. it. It's ridiculous. It shouldn't work, but it, it does, and it's very fun. And then uh, I also got around to watching Mayor of East Town, which I think that was ah. like a year ago now or something that, that came out. More than a year, maybe. What did you think which, of the um, ending? Well, I would say overall, I enjoyed the series it's not something that's going to stick with me long term i can see your happy valley comparisons it does feel a bit ripped off of that winslet was outstanding mm. i completely bought her as like a philly lady but if anything i'd say like the philly setting almost worked against it in as much as like the character all the characters are so nonchalant about people dying like they're too stoic it's like matt and shane's secret murder mm Everyone's kind of like, yo, I can't do the Philly accent, but like, they're just like, yeah, your daughter's dead. And he's like, nah, it's bad. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that sucks. They just, they're just, they're far too stoic in the face of like horrible things happening.
2: I wasn't mad for the ending.
1: The ending, okay. Are, are, Shall we? Spoilers? Spoilers okay for with Mayor that. of East Town. Spoilers for Mayor of East Town. So the young boy did it. The sun, and then they covered it up. That's what you're talking about? Mm. Eh, I feel like I've seen that in something else. I don't know what, but I've definitely seen a thing where the parent took the fall for the kid. Yeah. I don't know. It wasn't too surprising. I guess I did when the final episode rolled around. Within the first five minutes, they've tied everything up, and you're like, why is there still 50 minutes left? Yeah. We're finished here. So it's obvious that something's going to happen, but, eh. Yeah, yeah that, but that's the thing
2: that I wasn't, like, a fan of, uh, I suppose. No, because it's just, uh, I suppose maybe, like, and I think this was my issue at the time as well, it just sort of made me annoyed that something like uh, Happy Valley would, would be less known than this. Because Happy Valley, I think, is so much better.
1: It's better, definitely.
2: Like, th- and, how much uh, that I've keeps you on the edge. Happy
1: Valley ready to go still. I have it all queued up.
2: Oh, that's coming up on my TV list. I'm gonna, and you know they're making season three now, right at the moment they're filming mm, it. I'm in it. Yeah, I'm in it. Are oh, you? Yeah. Mm. Are you the valley? Yes,
1: and, but I'm. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not the happy part. Just the valley.
2: All right. What else you been? Yeah. On?
1: Well, I guess we can move into talking a little bit of Paul Thomas Anderson before, because our original plan before uh, we both had to take a week off, for, because of global geopolitics, uh, we were originally going to talk about licorice pizza. So, in preparation, I watched Punch Drunk Love. Mm. I tried to watch Inherent Vice. I made it 30 minutes in and fell asleep. You didn't like it? I haven't been. It. No, it's not that I don't like it. it every, every single time. I've tried to watch that film at least three times. And I've fallen asleep every single time.
2: Wow, that's not good.
1: It's not good. I, it, it, I know it's slow, but my brain is in somehow. I'm sure it's a great film. I it's enjoyed it for 30 film. minutes. But I my brain say. is telling me all the time going like, do we really need to watch this? Do I need to see this? Do I need to see Joaquin Phoenix with big lamb chop things on the side of his face? I don't know.
2: I would for real say it's his weakest film. And I do like it,
1: but... Well, I, uh, well what did you watch? Because, I, 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 like I said, I, I rewatched Punch Drunk Love. I watched I Punch talk Drunk Love as well.
2: Briefly. God damn, yeah. I thought it was brilliant. Well, let's
1: both talk about that. Isn't it? It's so much better than I remembered it was.
2: Well, I've seen it a few times, and I know I've always loved it. It's just, I think this is when what his career is now actually began with Punch Drunk Love.
1: Yeah, definitely moving into, well, uh, more of a sort of character piece. Phantom I, Thread has a bit of that as well. Not like I think a his huge first, overarching narrative.
2: I think his first three films are like riffing on classic Hollywood stuff. And then mm. I think his writing after that took a turn where... So I think a lot of movies sort of cheat with their emotional beats. Like, I think they just say, we need them to be feel like this now at the moment. So we'll, I don't know, we'll just contrive a tiny thing and make them feel like that. But I feel like this guy will insert weird objects and business plans and the stuff with the pudding into his plots <laughs> to make them work in this bizarre way. Like Paul Dano's religious character in, um, in There Will Be Blood, because be he blood. needed an antagonist or... Like mm-hmm. uh, the programming sections or the b- weird booze drink in The Master. I think he just makes these beautiful, weird contrivances that are like, they're like, it's almost like his films have a dream logic, but they're very, very grounded at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's Punch Drunk Love is when that really started. There's scenes in it that are terrifying. Like, you know when the porno lady calls him back the next morning?
1: Does it, That terrifies you because terrifying. That's probably... That that's, would be bad for you. You'd be like, uh, your, Hey mom, there's fear. a porno lady I wanked to on the phone.
2: Can you talk to her that's for cracked. a second? <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's your biggest fear is getting found out. I'd like it. I just like the attention.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I would not like <laughs> I'd, that. I'd
1: take a phone call from anyone.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: thought so much of the film, like, is just anxiety-inducing of Barry being like bullied by his seven sisters calling him a gay boy. There's another contrivance, like, of course he has seven
2: sisters. Yeah.
1: Making fun of him for getting angry and smashing something when he Gay was a boy. kid. So then he he just picks up. <laughs> oh, what he picks up and smashes the windows with? Is it like a golf club or something?
2: No, I don't know. But he kicks some of the windows He's, as well. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. He that Smashes sequence. the
1: windows in the house, and his sisters are just like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> it's amazing that
2: little that little sequence because it, it kind of zooms out so you're just seeing the bay windows and you're looking at the sisters and they're all saying oh what a gay boy <laughs> then all of a sudden one of the windows smashes Sandler's <laughs> in shot just kicking the shit out of them it's hilarious <laughs> the scene that made me laugh in the film this uh, this time around the the most is um, when he's walking away from what's her chops is it Emily Watson is that what she's called yeah who looks beautiful in this film like a Disney character but uh, not like you know uh, that lady talking to God in the Lars von Trier film, that freaks me out.
1: Uh, breaking the Waves.
2: Breaking the Waves.
1: Is, is it that one? Yeah, that was yeah. her her big breakthrough. Yeah.
2: When he's walking away from her apartment for the first time and he goes, uh, okay, and bye-bye. And then when he's walking down the corridor, he's like, fucking, bye-bye, fucking, bye-bye, fucking <laughs> idiot. And the thing I loved so much about it, first of all, I think this is Adam Sandler's best performance. is great, yeah, he's great. Um, And I, like, I, I think Uncut Gems is amazing and everything, but I think this is better. I think that he just accesses something here. That scene where, you know, somebody walks away from somebody having said something stupid, it's a cliche. It's been done so many times. Yeah. And it's a cliche because it's something people do in real life. But they always do it in this zany, how-I-met-your-mother bullshit way, whereas... Boys, the like,
1: oh God, I can't believe I said that type of thing. yeah, yeah, or an idiot, idiot, <laughs> Sandler
2: walking away from that he's like
1: he's the most you negative self fucking... Like, you fucking
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh my, it's fucking brilliant, <laughs> um yeah, it's another level and or like another big laugh that i got on it was, um. You know, you know when uh, Philip Seymour uh, so Philip Seymour <laughs> H- so Hoffman tries to have the last word.
1: Yeah, yeah. He goes, "What did I say?" <laughs> okay, <laughs> I <can't remember. laughs>
2: Very good, though. Very funny. Very joyful. Um. Very romantic. What a movie!
1: You you got one hour of just Barry getting shit on the entire time, but that's what makes the the final thirty minutes so sweet. Is because he finally sort of overcomes his problems, fights back against the world, and. Mm. gets the dame and then there's a there's that kind of iconic there's a few uh like really, really beautiful shots, but the the main one is like the poster for the film and the hotel oh, yeah. lobby of just the, the two of them having an ultimate racing yeah, yeah. while people are walking back and forth. It's a, a beautiful shot.
2: Or you know the tracking shots in his warehouse when he's just mm. th- and the music she is building the stress. Around.
1: Yeah. Yeah so as I say it's like the, the anxiety that you get watching that uh, it's hard I had to, I had to, I'd say, the hard, music like, I in that film is on one of coffee. a kind isn't it? yeah 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 it's great John Bryan's harmonium score
2: but yeah I would say that that is the film that kind of introduced him to I mean, where he is now in his career I think he's basically just taken that type of film and built up his set of tools to the point and he's made a weird trippy western uh, odd post-war film a Thomas Pynchon adaptation for fuck's sake uh, weird sort of Victorian drama, but all of them have their little twists, you know, like the re- religious zealotry in the in the we- in the Western one, and he's got his deaf son, and sh- you know, like the Scientology film in the post-war oh, yeah. blah 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 blah. The mushrooms in Phantom Tread, until you get to uh, now Licorice Pizza, where he's built a coming of age romantic film around with lots of true stories and Hollywood lore built into the center of it. That just works. Well, for me, anyway, I would say this is very close to my favorite film of his now. I've seen it twice, Licorice Pizza, and I, I absolutely loved it. Where did you stand?
1: I think it's the story of a vile pedophile grooming a 15-year-old boy, and it's sickening.
2: <laughs> and anyone who likes it is... <laughs> oh, Danny Heim.
1: ...jail. Nah, I thought it was, I thought it was good. I, I'm surprised that you like it so much. I mean, it seems to be doing really well in terms mm. of critical response people love it i don't know i just feel it's a bit lightweight for me it feels like, it a, a bit I feel like it's, it's another love letter to hollywood type thing which is fine i get it. it's another Major like, once LA upon a time in hollywood vibes of it. nostalgia yeah 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 all this kind of nostalgia thing and that's fine because you know whenever they do versions of people from the 70s it's like reading for it's like us when we watch a 70s film and then we do the kind of breakdown of the cast list and you see the insane things that people were doing. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit of that yeah. with like the John Peters and like the William Holden character, Jack Holden. Um, yeah, there, there's there's a lot of that. There's a lot of fun stuff going on, uh, but it just feels a bit lightweight to me. Well,
2: it is. It's definitely lightweight. yeah.
1: But again, and and also the whole friends and family thing of like casting the entire Heim family <laughs> it's an odd as move, a family, and then just having all like it just is this this kind of nepotistic part of hollywood is something i don't really like
2: what did you think of the guy who speaks to his japanese wife in a funny accent
1: i i, I fucking pissed myself laughing i had to stop the film <laughs> <laughs> i was laughing too much I, i've seen that i've seen that being i've seen that being smashed in terms of people going like That's yeah, it's racist. racist yeah 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 it's not the joke is. It's not a racist joke. It, obviously, it's making fun of this guy, this he's character an, from the 1970s, who's a fucking idiot.
2: Who's an idiot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's very yeah, funny. Like
1: he he thinks that that's how he's supposed to speak to a Japanese person, and they speak fluent Japanese. Like the 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 women are giving. Mm. Like like I can you know I I lived there for two years. My level is my you know I'm not very good at the language, but. Like, what they're saying is, like, relevant to the conversation, but he's just, he obviously just has no idea what they're saying and is just making some shit up.
2: It's based on a real thing as well. That's the, you see. So, do you know much about the inspiration for the film? Just that it was like,
1: it was like the first Japanese restaurant in LA in the 60s or 70s or whatever.
2: No, but I mean, in general, the inspiration for the film, like, where it comes from.
1: Yeah, yeah. What's the guy's name? Um, Gary Globerman. Goat, I'm gonna say goat, goat, goats, Goatsman, Goat, Goatberg, Goat. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was like, he did all that stuff. He installed a waterbed for John Peters. He, yeah, yeah he he opened his uh, pinball palace and all this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: But the anecdote about the guy who would speak to his Japanese wife like that is from him as well. Nice. That's another Respect.
1: one. Very good interview
2: with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson about the film on the Bill Simmons show. It's interesting. I had I had actually heard that Paul Thomas Anderson is very frosty to get interviewed, and all all the ones I had heard were always really good. And then I heard him on the Empire podcast last week, and I, you, could, you you I honestly it was just like God damn, you're giving these guys nothing. Are you stoned or <laughs> something? It was crazy. I um, just can't be bothered. Yeah, no, it couldn't be fucked exactly. Like, which does he I even respect, have to
1: like no, advertise his films he at doesn't. this point? not they're not even trying to make money particularly.
2: Yeah, he's been touch and go when it comes to making money. Phantom Thread made a lot of money. Mm. I know that. Well, that's there uh, will be blood Daniel made Day a lot Lewis. of money.
1: Also, Daniel Day-Lewis. Helped, the
2: Master so. and Inherent Vice lost money, as far as I know.
1: What did you think of uh, Cooper Hoffman? Um, I thought he was great. He uh, it's funny because he's he's got his dad's mannerisms at times, but with like a softer edge. He it looks like he can tap into some of that. That rage as well he just he doesn't really get a chance in this film, but you get a sense that there's something going on.
2: I thought everybody was great, but more so than the established actors. I thought the two leads were really, really great, um, yeah, and just wholesome and believable, all on, all on. and you really you really root for them, um mm-hmm. you believe their sort of love story. I also thought big shout out to Josh or Benny Safty uh, who I thought was, Benny Safty who I he thought was, creeps me out. He's got a he does have a creepy face. He's got face. a weird
1: face. He looks like a doll.
2: Well, I can never get over him going the full retard in good time, you see. <laughs> Which he does, doesn't he? That
1: character is I haven't retarded. seen Good Time. Oh, right, I still well, haven't seen it.
2: Yeah, anyway, Robert uh, Orpats, Batman, uh, Orbat, uh forces his um special needs brother to help him rob a bank. Um it's a really interesting film. It's kind of it's what they were on their way to making with uh, Uncut Gems, that kind of frenetic pace. But anyway, his inclusion in the story and that, like, that as a setup for, you know, when she realizes he's a gay guy, spoilers for licorice pizza. I just thought that worked wonderfully in terms of
0: the but then, romantic b- story. The,
1: uh, but that's it. Okay. Yeah. Spoilers for licorice pizza. So the guy she's working for, who she's sort of trying to establish herself, she's 25 years old. She's trying to get out of her her parents' home and get, like, ai don't know, just get, like, find a husband or something? She's trying to find a boyfriend or or, or do something meaningful for her life. Mm. She's working for this guy who's running for mayor. If she thinks that he's into her. Turns out he's gay, so she goes back, runs back to the 15-year-old boy she'd been grooming. But there's more to that's, it than that's that. That's true love. No, that's that's it. There's more to it, it than that. There's nothing more to it than that.
2: No, because she kind of recognizes that the guy is sort Pedophile of... Pedophile
1: turned down by gay man. Goes back to grooming. That's it. Yeah, that's the thesis. That's, that's of the, the film. headline. I read. I read that headline in the
2: that's what and, Daily uh, Mail. Sean Penn had to double check that was the script's thesis before signing on. It's just to be clear, <laughs> you, you're pro grooming. This is pro grooming movie, right? Okay. Yeah. I'm Shout in. out
1: Sean Penn. Shout out Bradley Cooper.
0: Bradley Cooper. Bradley, Bradley Cooper Cooper's is worth John talking Peer, about in this. He's,
2: he's doing something insane in this. Like, yeah. and it's not over the top. None. It's right. No. It's like. It's playing an, a famously over-the-top man on the yeah. level. Like, he seems like a real crazy person, which I appreciated, because it's so easy with performances like that to go over the top, but I don't think he does. I think he seems really on edge. Do you remember what his first line is to uh, Gary Valentine? No. Something Do you have sexy, a big penis? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A big penis. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah, and I really appreciated that first scene as well, where she has to... Um, reverse down the hill in the truck that yeah. has no gas and then when she gets so down to the bottom of it like she
1: did all the training and practice That's right, yeah, yeah, her yeah. herself and did herself fair her play alana Hyman her her truck maneuvers
2: and um yeah and then when she gets down when they get down to the bottom of the hill, she sees from a distance <laughs> yeah. the boys playing around with the petrol tank like it's their cock. And she
1: has a real, what am I doing with my life moment. That's I, I think that's like so unfair because <laughs> I don't think rock. that's, that's not, yeah, that's not a 15 year old boy thing to put the petrol thing <laughs> between your legs and pretend it's a cock. I'd be doing that. I do that today. I just think that's, that's just a solid bit. There's nothing, yeah, there's nothing to be, because one guy's bending over. Yeah. If you've got a, a like a kind of petrol thing, of, yeah, exactly. There you go, Danica's using a bottle as a uh, a stand-in for a penis. It's and a classic. Yeah, of course, it's a classic bit.
2: Take my wife. Yeah, please. exactly.
1: This is like uh, the start of Happy Gilmore. Adam Sandler does that in all of his jobs. You remember that? He's like, first I worked as a, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very good, <laughs> a janitor, and he's got like the the brush. That's fine, and he was thirty or something in that film. It's all fine. Mm-hmm. Don't don't overthink it Alanaheim. Go back and yeah, get your 15-year-old get your little 15-year-old
0: snack.
2: And do you know who um Sean Penn is supposed to be? Yeah, William Holden. He's William Holden, yeah, which I had never heard mm. any stories about William Holden being a wild man. Apparently so. There you go. Apparently a bit of a madman. I think
1: yeah. he died he um did a bit of a bob Saget or something he like hit his head and then bled out. On the booze, probably.
2: Whatever they did to Sean Penn, or maybe whatever Sean Penn has been doing to himself for his whole life, but he does look like a boozed up actor in that in that uh, in his scenes. Like he He also
1: spoke like his 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 tone of voice was way lower than normal. Mm. I was kind of surprised he didn't. I thought he did a really good William Mm. Holden
2: impression. To be honest, I really liked him in the film.
1: I really like the score. I like the score. Another Johnny Greenwood score. Not much to it. There's like a repeated motif with a Joanna Newsom style harp. Piece. There's not a huge amount to it. obviously all the music in the film is of the time period, which is nice. Yeah, you like it more than me. I would my final word is it's a fine film. A fine film. A fine film. Okay. But but does it have a caped crusader in it? No.
2: What did you think of Matt Reeves, the Batman?
1: Go. Is it would this film would this film be enough to convince the leadership of Russia to s- cease their invasion? Because this was pulled in Russia. Was it not being released there? Yeah. Do you think it's good enough to convince Vladimir Putin to withdraw troops?
2: I'm gonna make it do a bit of prejudice here. I'm gonna imagine the Russians have similar movie tastes to the Chinese. In which case, I think mm. no, they're not fucked with this.
1: Interesting. I want to like this more than I do. Huh? I don't. It's. I. I. I don't want this to come out as me being negative about it. All the pieces are there, and I want to like it more than I did. Maybe I would like it more on a rewatch. I have some issues with it. What are, What are the issues? I do think it's too long. It's the third. Mm, it's it's the third longest superhero film behind one of the maybe Batman v Superman Mario, like Justice League, then Avengers Endgame, then this. I mean, it runs at three hours. The last thirty minutes are a bit of a drag i found the stylistic choices. It's, I feel like, you know, Reeves said that he was trying to go for sort of 1970s thrillers. Mm. And then also things like Zodiac and seven and yeah. Okay. It's like seven in the, it's raining all the time. The thing it kind of reminded me the most of is uh, the crow. It felt like it had that sort of the, the dour tone of that, but something about like a goth Batman. It reminded me of the goth kids from South park. (laughs) seeing Robert Pattinson with his black eye. Like, I don't want a Kurt Cobain Batman. Kurt Cabruce Wayne.
2: Wow. See, I really liked this.
1: That's because you were just listening to Nirvana going, "Why why is everything so bad? Why is the world such a bad place?
2: This starts off in an odd fashion, just with the Batman and some kind of odd sort of 50s music going on. And then, no. Do you remember the opening? it's, wow, it's an odd no. opening for a Batman film.
1: All I remember is the the opening that I recall is uh, the Riddler outside looking at the kid. Yes, and uh, the mayor.
2: Yes, and there's this uh, music. It's odd and jointy, disjointed, and anyway, I don't recall that at all.
1: Because uh, uh, yeah, I guess uh, watching it first, I wasn't sure what was going on. I was like, is this in the past? Are they going to do the origin story again? No, but I knew going in that they that, weren't doing okay. that. Which is why I was I so knew from surprised. from the heavy breathing. I was like, it's probably Paul Dano going, because he's a bit of a heavy breather type.
2: It was why I was so surprised to see it was nearly three hours. I was like, what are you doing for three hours with this? But here's the thing. I said, okay, start to finish. It started off in an odd way, and then I figured out, oh, they're going with a sort of a noir plot structure, where really the plot doesn't matter so much. It's going to be very complicated. Pay attention, you'll probably get it more the second time around. It, it, it reminded me of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy like that. But what I thought it did really effectively was explore the sort of world of the film in, in all its glory, I thought the aesthetic choices, the design of like the car, the suit and everything like that, I was very on board with. The cinematography, I thought it was gorgeous, quite frankly. And I think, okay, I think this is almost like the best Batman film there is, quite honestly. Which is I get it, big statement whatever. I don't think it quite is and I think the main thing that it's missing that the Nolan's films really have is villains. The villains here are not on a par with Tom Hardy's Bane or Heath Ledger's the Joker. Those Performances dominate often weak plots they just overwhelm the audience and they're amazing in it, right but yeah i think I think the plot here is actually really good, and I think what they make an effort to do to bring Batman to the real world lands more than anything Nolan
1: did. Tonally, these S- films remind me a bit of the Arkham games. Have you played any of those? Yes, and you're right that and The animated series, animated films. I haven't read really any Batman comics. I guess I've read a couple of graphic novels, but like, yeah, tonally, I guess this is what Batman is supposed to be. Like, I mean, I assume
2: when the first trailer came out, there was there was um some naysayers among critics that were saying, "Well, what? Like, why can't we get a fun Batman movie? Why, like, you know?"
1: (laughs) And it's like, because this is, yeah, we did. It's called Batman and Robin.
2: Well, or even the original Tim Burton Batman, which I've never seen. Yeah. Um, oh really? I've yeah, never that was, seen that. Was, that. It was, it's, it's, I keep it's, meaning it's to a watch solid it. Film back in the day. I've seen Batman Returns, and I really like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The better Batman comics are darker, quite frankly, mm. and this I think works better, just darker as a story. I can't believe they had the cojones to release a 3 hour film like this. Like this is risky. This is a risky blockbuster blockbuster. And you can they and they took a risk in the way they've tried to establish the world because they practically give you an Empire Strikes Back ending. Like in what way. The Riddler's <clears> plan <throat> Spoilers succeeds. For the Batman
1: book. yeah, I guess that's true. But then everything seemed fairly positive at the end though, right? Much like at the end of Empire Strikes Back. But at the same time, it is put, it? It, it Han Solo's in fucking carbonite or whatever? Yeah, but
2: I don't know. It, it, uh, well, fair enough, Han Solo in carbonite is not good. But it, it, what I'm saying is, it puts the characters on the back foot going into the final fight. Let's say, right? Mm-hmm. And I would say that's very much the case here because you c- you can call this movie a win for Batman.
1: Maybe he wanted, you know, a lot of the shady parts to get washed away by water. Maybe that's what he secretly wanted. Mm. He secretly voted for whatever this universe's Trump is, but just pretends that he's doing good stuff.
2: Anyway, I was traipsing through it at the beginning. I was thinking, this is this is fun, and like the Arkham games popped into my head as well because of the pacing. And I was like, I can I don't know how they're going to sustain this over three hours, really, because it it is quite slow, and even the action is shot in a arty way i'm gonna say a lot of the time a lot of the time you can't see the action very well but it Mm. drew me in i felt like it had real life physics i was the story with the Catwoman's uh, flatmate drew me in a little bit as well i was intrigued to find out more about what was happening with all of it almost i thought it was a bit of a bummer that they thought it necessary to include the joker at the end but sure there we go that's what they're going for
1: well, they also cut a scene, a kind of Silence of the lamb scene, where Batman goes and speaks to the Joker to get, you know, like to find out about the Riddler and get a sort of psych profile. Oh, so in this universe, the Batman has caught the Joker. The Joker, Joker's in jail and yeah. is known as the Joker. So yeah, we've, I guess we can say that Barry Keown is the Joker. I, I had no idea who it was until I, I looked it up afterwards. I think that's a reasonable choice because, as we've seen him in a few films, he's he can really sort of yeah disappear I, into roles, and he seems like a fucking maniac. Yeah, like he's got that going on underneath.
2: He's the right casting for this universe of uh, of yeah. Batman for sure. Also, good on odd odd cast decisions going on with uh, Colin Farrell, but you're you know that they're going like they're go they've got a TV show based around him coming out and a yeah. two two more they're,
1: movies. They're, they're Two more films, and apart from this Penguin spin off series, there's another HBO Max series as well. I don't know what the other one is, but they're going for what, like, similar to what they did with Suicide Squad and Peacemaker, which I, I respect. It's an interesting choice. I thought that uh, Colin Farrell is a Penguin. I mean, he is completely unrecognizable. The, he, he loses, yeah, he loses himself completely in the role. He sounds like he's almost doing like a Robert De Niro
2: in The Untouchables, uh, Al
1: Capone, yeah, 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 that type of. Uh, know what people like baseball
2: i think it should be said as well that um zoe kravitz is a hot piece of
1: ass i prefer lenny fair enough are you gonna go my way
2: if if zoe kravitz is there hell yeah
1: (laughs) something that i found really strange at the end of the film was like I, i i remember when this was filming in scotland and like throughout the film, I had no idea. I, I I it just like I'd completely put that out of my head. I I wasn't focusing. All the on rain that. scenes was it? Yeah, I guess that's it. But like at the very end, they're on their motorbikes. They meet out in the cemetery, and it's like it's in Glasgow. And just the idea of Zoe Kravitz and Robert Pattinson on motorbikes in Glasgow just it's not right. Uh, it kind it of broke. S- yeah, it broke my brain. I was like, what are they doing there?
2: Get yeah, out. she's underdressed the for the weather. Then when she's on that motorbike uh, as well. Yeah this is this no is sleeves what are you doing <laughs>
1: this is the glasgow necropolis that's gonna it's gonna hurt
2: yeah you know there's a part of the film where she's she does the whole uh, privileged white men thing
1: i find that so funny because i thought like obviously that's a comment on our world see do they i don't even ever address race this was another thing i was thinking like i haven't read enough of i haven't read enough comics or that hmm. do they address race in the comics like not that in their that world I've ever like seen. in in like Gotham City I mean here there's in terms of like race things you've got Gordon is played by Jeffrey Wright so you've got like a black actor who's playing what's normally a white character but it's just interesting to make that comment uh, you know like you're a privileged white man just because it feels like that's leaving the world of Gotham City and just commenting on our world i just thought it was a weird choice
2: mm, i think it is making a little bit of a comment on I suppose our world generally, because I think Catwoman is proven to be a little bit faffing later in the film. Let me phrase that again. Because she
1: just, what do you mean? She just wanted the money.
2: Yeah. Well, she ain't Robin Hood, you know? I think, like, I mean, clearly the baddies in the film are incels. We can agree on that, right?
1: And all of this must have been written and filmed before the storming of the Capitol, right? There's no way I was informed by that.
2: Well, no, but you have to remember the Storming of the Capitol was specifically inspired by um, the events near the end of Captain America, the Winter Soldier. <laughs>
1: yeah. Plus, yeah, it was all written by Marvel. Storming Marvel of the Capitol. Marvel scripted it. Yeah, they scripted the Storming of the Best Capitol. Best
2: thing they ever produced, I'll tell you. <laughs> Big fan of the Storming of the Capitol. Yeah. How is this so long? Did you think it feels too long? There was a, uh, I didn't, uh, but one, uh, one I can't remember where much of what happens out. now that I'm thinking about it.
1: One moment where I checked out definitely is where Batman's chasing Penguin in the car chase. Oh, no, I thought that was great. I thought it looked nice, but at a certain point with Penguin looking out the window going like, I fucking killed you. I didn't say fucking because it's a PG-13. They used their one fuck somewhere. I can't remember where, but I found myself checking out mentally just a little bit, just for a second, thinking about something else. What did you think of the suit? Just being bombarded with imagery. I was like, eh, suit's fine. I'll I tell you what I did like. I liked the, the sequence early on where it's like in the first five to ten minutes where Batman's signal is basically like putting fear into the underworld. Mm. I thought that was nicely done of showing of him going like, you know, it's a signal, but it's also a warning and everyone shooting themselves.
2: Yes, including those boys in makeup.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of people in makeup. Who
2: are given out to the Chinese guy on the train. Yeah. I love a bullies <laughs> yes. on train scene. I love well, this is,
1: better than, this is better than Joker because remember the, the like bullies on the train and Joker were Wall Street guys. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> really funny. Um, <laughs> I love bullies on trains. They just spot someone weak and then one of them nudges yeah. their buddy bullies and goes, Hey, let's that fucking rape weak. him to death. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's how i ride trains even by myself <laughs> i'm just nudging the guy next to me like let's kick the shit out of that old lady here. <laughs> yeah why not he's for there. fun she's different she's different yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. she's not in our gang so we should get her yeah, yeah get her i the other thing i liked about this film because it's like a year two story yeah we don't get any, we don't fanny around with the origin stuff that's good yes but then all of the all the cops look at batman like or like, why are you here? <laughs> like Warrior. They're like, this is just some a freak in a suit. Go away. Yeah. Which I think is like they deal with it in a reasonably realistic fashion.
2: Oh, you know it was a very good scene as well. You know where um uh that bloke, the DA shows up in the car at the funeral? He doesn't show up. He's driven oh, in yeah, there Pierce, strapped Sarsgaard. The... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. I like that little That's fun scene. stuff. Yes, it was. What
1: about any cast members? I mean, we don't need to go through the whole thing or anything but well i have st-
2: that... i have already stated um my feelings on zoe kravitz uh, how do you feel
1: about robert pattinson i guess as a batman
2: um that about sums it up i suppose she's fine
1: and i he's a really good actor um he is a good actor but i guess the whole kirk beaniness i wasn't a huge fan of
2: yeah but i mean they don't really give him much to work with i would say Certainly not as much as Christian Bale had to work with in terms of like like yeah. a- acting outside the suit, you know?
1: I seem to remember Robert Pattinson saying like the first couple of weeks of filming, he went for that gruff Christian Bale voice and then threw that away because he realized it sounded stupid. I thought the sound mix in this was, I mean, you watched it in Spain, you had Spanish subtitles. Do you read hmm. the subtitles? No. Because I would. Because I wanted, you know, I love subtitles and yes. maybe I'm partially deaf, but like... I just, it's so muted throughout, like, the characters, like, Gordon and speaking to Batman, they have scenes where they're just like, yeah, it, it happened over here. He's dead. They're, like, whispering to each other. I yeah. find that, like, that sort of pissed me off. I think I'll like it more when I've got headphones on and subtitles. Would you it's watch not this not that again? I missed anything, it's just that I was straining. Yeah, I'll chunk it. I'll, I'll, I'll carve out a, a three-hour chunk of my life.
2: I want to watch it again. Like, if I didn't have, you know, a...
1: I'm not going to watch it in the cinema again. I'll watch it when it comes to uh, Russian streaming.
2: <laughs> I'll watch it when the Russian people get the chance to see it. I'll go over there specifically yeah. for the premiere. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, yeah, that's it.
2: <laughs> Imagine that like two years down the road and <laughs> they just get invited for the Russian
1: premiere. Some of the other people involved, we had Andy Serkis. Yes. John Turturro is Carmine Falcon. It's kind of Im- he was implied
2: good. that um, Alfred taught him to be Batman. Did you get that? Why? Because he didn't. says he taught him how to fight.
1: Oh, okay. Well he's his mentor, I guess. Well, I hear there's no there's no Razal Ghoul League of Shadows traveling the world, etc. Hmm. I quite like that element of Batman Begins. <laughs> Batman Begins, <laughs> As I insist on calling it.
2: Uh, I would like to formally like withdraw my state from from earlier, just consi- just thinking about how much I enjoy the first hour of Batman Begins. This is not better than Batman Begins.
1: I I'm gonna have to uh, go with Christopher Nolan. I'm sorry. I like Matt Reeves. In terms of Matt Reeves' films, he's basically. I mean, he also he did some shite before Cloverfield, but Cloverfield is where it really begins in 2008. So and Cloverfield is great. Cloverfield, yeah. I I'm a big fan of Cloverfield. He made Cloverfield. Then was his Let the Right One In remake. Let Me In in 2010. Then he took over the Apes trilogy with the second film, Dawn, in 2014, and then War for Planet of the Apes in 2017. So this is his fifth film. Both great. On Metacritic ranking, this, is f- this comes fourth. So War for the Planet of the Apes is top, then Dawn and Let Me In are tied, Cloverfield and then Batman, then Cloverfield. Hmm, I would reorder that. I'm sure you would, but these are facts. So it doesn't matter what you think. Your opinion is meaningless. Batman did get an A minus cinema score, which is pretty strong, especially considering it's a three hour film. So people like it. The audiences enjoy
0: it.
2: I really enjoyed it. Like, I had a great, great time watching it. One of those, like, it kind of got me in the first 20 minutes. And even when there were, like, okay, what was the first scene where Catwoman gives Batman a smooch? I felt was just. It's very superfluous, and it was a long enough scene as well. Where do they kiss on top of a building? You know how people do. Oh, oh do you know it was a great it. sequence? The um, wingsuit sequence,
1: everything like that feels a lot more grounded. It's interesting that you know Nolan's one is supposed to be the grounded Batman because in mm. this, yeah, he flies, he jumps off of a building in what looks like a real wingsuit, like the kind that you would see in YouTube videos of people smashing into bridges. And turning into a red mist like that and he flies down in his wingsuit and then what he fucks into a big car and yeah yes, yeah. rolling class. along awesome. <laughs> he oh, doesn't even it. do it properly like, he doesn't he doesn't get away with it he gets he gets absolutely smashed as well
2: i mean what what everybody is asking in every other nerdy interview in the world is what did you think of the car
1: as we've covered in various other things. Like, I'm I don't do like not like cars. I'm not
2: I, I, <laughs> I don't like cars. I like
1: I like trains. I'm the I'm the train type of you want autistic, a bat train? not car artistic. Yeah, train. where's the bat train? That could be slightly it's impractical. Like, oh, fuck no, my why tra- not have a bat train? <laughs> Mom, I'm gonna
2: be I'm gonna be 30 minutes late for home. Why, why the bat train is coming in? I got yeah, I'm gonna miss mine. Yeah.
1: They just have to lure the baddies onto the train tracks. <laughs> somewhere near the train tracks all the time. Into a station. Yeah, I don't like cars. No. It 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 doesn't it didn't do anything for me. I thought oh, it was right. fine. When I, last time I was in LA, last time I was in LA, show off. I went to uh, I went on. I guess I went on the Warner Brothers Studio tour, and I saw a bunch of I saw a bunch of Batmobiles. And and the, and, uh, you, and you
2: said this does nothing for me. Can you show me something else? <laughs> <laughs> I went up to excuse me, Mr. Tour to Guide. I, I'm
1: not a fan. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly right <laughs> that's what i said i said um <laughs> a car really, I really that, 2017 I mean, are upset, so it's 2019 i don't need cars.
2: a car <laughs> yeah <laughs> we've moved beyond that
0: it's funny how, how fucking internet.
2: it's fu- like because i have uh when was it last oh yeah when the wheel of time series was coming out I would routinely just hop into the Reddit groups just to, like... Because I find (laughs) people's, like, attachment to properties very funny. For me, honestly, it can be good or bad. I don't really care about whether you respect the original material, truthfully. Yeah. It wouldn't bother me. If somebody makes a change to a book that I've read, which I feel like it would have been better sticking the other way, I'll say that, but, like, like, for example, I don't like the adaptation of The Green Mile much, because it's exactly the same as the fucking book. I like people to move stuff around a bit, but watching people wail about like the fact that they didn't have, um, thatch roofs in the two rivers sequences in the wheel of time. I just, I find that sort of shit hilarious. So I almost want to check out what the, f- cause like how attached people are to Batmobiles and Batsuits. is very funny. That's funny.
1: I, yeah, I, i it's never, I've never cared about that. They could do whatever they want. It could be like Batman forever could go full Val Kilmer or it can be whatever it can be this. I don't care. it could be go Christopher Nolaney. I don't mind. You can have the fucking Batmobile look like a tank, whatever this look more like a car at least, yeah, but then we also saw the Batmobile in uh Licorice pizza go on and if you noticed it when um Cooper Hoffman's character, I can't even think what the what the lead Gary valentine when yeah when when Gary goes to sell waterbeds at mm. whatever it is. I don't know if it's like a school thing, like a a gym. Mm. Someone drives past in the 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 old like Adam West one.
2: Oh, I didn't notice that. There you go. Thank you. you Apparently,
1: know, the sequel uh, to this is setting up Hush as a villain. Oh, right. I've read that comic. I haven't. I don't really know what that means. It's good. Nice. He's in some of the games, but like I'm not familiar at all with him really as a as a villain. I think Hush might be something related to Robin. The other thing supposedly that I heard is um, in the the final fight sequence in in this film, uh, when he's up on top of the big, I want to say chandelier. It's not chandelier. When he's up on top of like with all, the big with all the incels the and their guns. Yeah, when he's fighting <laughs> school shooters unite. <laughs> 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 when he's fighting a big bunch of pedophiles up on top of the up, up next to the ceiling. He, when he gets battered, he injects himself with something which is supposedly venom, huh. uh, which again, my limited knowledge of the world of DC Comics, but like allegedly this means that Bane might appear. Okay. I, I don't know how that works, but yeah. I, saw, I saw that quoted.
2: That makes sense. I was wondering about that because mm. I was thinking, did they, did I, I didn't miss when they set that up. There was no setup for that, was there? No. Right. Okay. He just had it on him. Yeah. This movie doesn't like setting things up, which I appreciate.
1: It does, I guess. After, I I like that. <clears throat> I like that. It kind of had the attitude of like, it's Batman. Like you guys know, you've yeah. at least you've all seen something. You're aware of who this guy is, and you've got like a, you've got a sense of. It's like the origin story. You're like, yeah, okay. We we all know the origin story.
2: Yeah, yeah. They did uh, so, uh, a a, a, spi- a Tom Holland Spiderman on it.
1: Yeah. Which is good, because I, I think it, this film does treat the audience with like a bit of respect in terms of going like, okay, we're going to make some demands on you. The demand that you need to have a basic knowledge of Batman.
2: in the so Now, I was at a pack screening last night, and uh, everybody seemed to be getting along really well with it. There was a few whoops and claps and stuff. Near the end of the film, and for the last 10 minutes, and I literally had to put my hand up in front of my face, there was a lady who just whipped out the phone and went on Instagram, right? Respect. And she was I there. I a lot uh it it was kind of like for me it was like and i saw i saw the couple afterwards because i have hate in my heart so i wanted to see their fucking faces Uh, and it was like you know a good looking lady with like you know a good looking Mm -hmm. dude and the dude had you know he was clearly but he clearly had the look on him like oh he really loved the film and i was kind of thinking to myself man it was your. That should resp- be his
1: boyfriend. Is that what you were <laughs> thinking? <laughs> Why is he not with me?
2: <laughs> I was thinking, man. It was your responsibility to tell your bird to get off Instagram, and you didn't do that.
1: That's right. You need to take ownership of your partner. You, 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 you're their owner. I am like. You're responsible for their socialization. You uh, let them off the leash, and this is what happens, dude. Happens.
2: I am like a a harsh 1950s schoolmistress about phones with Belen. If we're in the cinema together.
1: <clears throat> I think that I don't care. I think I'm well, not going to try to get anyone to do anything. It's their choice. They oh, want fuck to watch off, something Andy. great. If they don't, that's their choice. But, but I would be annoyed. I, I would... It's, it's distracting. No, it's like... still, it's... It, yeah, okay. I would say, like, don't do it in my eyeline. And if you're going to do it in the sight line of someone behind you, then, well, then, then it's their responsibility to crack down. Or it's our own individual responsibility to think about others. So mm-hmm.
2: what should I have done? God should I have learned. just gone up and tapped her and just say, can you not?
1: You should have gone and kissed the boyfriend, obviously.
2: Ah, right. Fuck. You should yes. have done what
1: you wanted to do. That's the whole reason you brought this up.
2: No, I brought it up because it really irked me. Cause it's such a dark film as well, so the fucking screen was just.
1: You should have said, guys, can you turn the lights up a little, or asked her to put her to to shine her the 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 light from her phone screen towards. Or she could just leave.
2: I've left films before if I found them boring. Have you?
1: Yes, I have. What Uh, have you left? I have. Back when I had a Cineworld card a few years ago, I went. I walked out of a film which. If when people saw me walking out, it probably looked really bad because it was like a sort of almost like a Black Lives Matter film. I don't even know what it's called, but it was a surprise screening. And within the first five minutes, I walked out in what looked like the most racist walkout <laughs> in the world. <laughs> White guy gets up and goes like,
0: it's Fuck a black this. story.
1: But I watched the first five minutes and I couldn't handle it. I have no idea what it's called. It's, uh. I don't is it called the hate you give that's the one that's exactly what I was I made it through the first five minutes before walking out but also I didn't know what I was going to see it was it was a like surprise screening did you get your money back it didn't cost me anything which is another good thing I didn't have anything invested did you get your time back I did yeah I clawed those minutes back sweet all right and added them to my Justin Timberlake in time watch Uh, that's a shit film isn't it I haven't actually seen it. Oh, I, I have. Like it's to, not good. I like to reference things I don't really know what they are.
2: Um, mm. do you want to go through the plot on this? Good luck, by the way.
0: No,
1: I think we already have. Oh, I, think right. <laughs> I think we've I think we said enough of the plot. Are there any other moments? Let's just think. Let's have a look. Uh, the iceberg lounge, yeah. Carmine Falcone, Falcone. Yeah. The whole thing of like uh corruption and stuff. Yeah, fine. Like, let the me just. The lady was say in the again. trunk. Why was the lady, was the lady in the, her corpse in the trunk who killed her? Penguin? No, it was the, it was the cop who killed her, right? Yes, that's yeah, right. Yeah, I do need to watch this again and with subtitles.
2: It was the cop who's played by an Irish actor who was formerly a character on Irish TV called Rats from the Flats.
1: True story. I, I, it's not really a surprise to me that they cast Irish people as all the villains. That makes sense. Yeah. It's accurate.
2: Wait, Paul Dano isn't Irish.
1: It's close enough. What is Paul Dano? <sighs> Who he knows? Him? Where is he from? I mean... He's the son of Gladys and Paul A. Dano, a financial advisor. That's
0: <laughs> <laughs> true. That answers he's my question. To, he's,
1: he's married to Zoe Kazan.
2: Yes, I know. They look a bit similar, yeah. don't they?
1: They do. They do look like the male and female versions.
2: Who is uh,
1: Zoe Kravitz married to? Uh, Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> <laughs> She's married to her dad. <laughs>
0: It's god damn though she is
1: she was married to she was married to Carl Glusman who had a lead role in <laughs> Gaspar Noe's controversial pornographic drama Love and appeared in The Neon Demon and Nocturnal Animals but they got divorced in 2021 just saying hey there is a chance all you need to do now is you divorce your wife and stalk Zoe Kravitz maybe you can befriend Lenny
2: look I don't want to marry her I just don't want her to be with anybody else's
1: <laughs> that's fair that's a perfect I think name. it is fair reasonable position
2: gotta got start a harem but yeah mm. she is a beautiful she lady also isn't she also
1: briefly dated Ezra Miller and was in a relationship with Penn Badgley that's like a he's like a thing he exists
2: who's Ezra Miller he's got, again he's got hair
1: Ezra Miller's uh, Kevin we need to talk about Kevin
2: oh and the Flash also
1: yeah I think she had a hard time uh, dating him because like he used to shit his pants and she had to rub his <laughs> nose in it which is rough that's a reference to real life, folks. That actually happened. All right. And how old is she? <laughs> she's just, welcome to the Zoe Kravitz podcast. Uh, she's thirty-three. So that's Ke- in your wheelhouse. You got there is Kevin
2: shot. dated a uh, super hot lady uh, four years his senior. Have you got
1: his age? Yeah, Do you got, just know Ezra Miller's age. Or are you? No, I just
2: googled at, him here. Cause, I see. Because I hate him so much. Nah, he's alright. Well, right. this is
1: this is the way of it now. This is it. It's like licorice pizza. This is what the world is it's young men pete davidson older ladies pete davidson that's right yeah this is where we are it's where we find ourselves it's all going to be boys dating women (laughs) (laughs) that's what the batman's really about that's how i understood it
2: yeah totally but who's the woman he's waiting to find his woman it'll be poison ivy
1: yes and that will be uma thurman
2: Do you know i'd love to see back. you know this like realistic bent on batman i'd love to see them attempt like somebody like fucking mr freeze or Mudman or some <laughs> or, or killer croc just for the crack
1: well to be fair with penguin they did make him like he doesn't live in a zoo or anything he's just a bit of a he's got a bit of a weird face that's hmm. his thing and there was a part and he, he also smoked cigarettes he just smoked cigarettes but not with like a he doesn't have a top hat and a monocle, and he didn't have like his little cigarette holder, like Hunter S. Thompson style. He's just a guy.
2: But there's a part in it in the film where he's um, handcuffed and he's running with handcuffs and he's doing a little waddle. <laughs> Did you see that? Yeah. yeah.
1: I saw Paul Dano somewhere saying that he tried to sort of mesh like a zodiac reality with like the theatricality that you would expect from a Batman villain. Mm. And yeah, it didn't the times where he goes over the top he was almost too funny like it, it there was times where it made me laugh of just how you know the way he's talking and some of his videos going like that's right and it felt a bit like uh, mark hamill's joker or something it's just for me it's hard to it's hard to mesh that with in in a live action thing without for me it being a bit campy
2: for me, the paint was still too fresh. And Louis Theroux's "Forbidden America," the episode about the weird uh, far right <laughs> guys, he just <laughs> seemed like um, one of those fools.
0: What do
1: you think about the Riddler costume? Yeah, I was on A board with gimpy. that. you warrior thinks, warrior?
2: Yeah, was... it is pretty gimpy, like literally gimpish.
1: Yeah, well, I I I liked him when he revealed himself because he again he still looks about twelve years old. Mm. Even though, what how old is Paul Dano now? He's thirty seven. He could pass for 15.
2: Yeah. I mean, the costume itself is based on the Zodiac as well, right?
1: Right. But the Zodiac looked a bit more badass, I would have said.
2: And he was real, so that...
1: uh, Yeah, he's a real guy. Respect to the Zodiac.
2: Respect to the Zodiac killer. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) I mean, not for his work, just for his... Attire. For the movie and
2: that was based energy. on him, I mean, at least something yes. good came out of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You see, that's the like the age old things we wrestle with. And whereas people might give out about something goofy like Batman, we could say, well, at least Batman isn't making money off real life tragedy. Hasn't
1: anyone? Yeah, exactly. Well, is he though?
2: Well, that's I his golden rule. Well, Batfleck killed people. It was controversial amongst the fans.
1: The reason we got this Batman film is because Ben Affleck was. He relapsed uh, into alcoholism. Yeah, he was was, was having a big relapse, basically. He was getting divorced. The process of making Justice League and everything had taken a huge toll on him, and he started And he went
2: back on the booze, and um, yeah, yeah, because he was supposed to write and direct this as well.
1: When I watched Licorice Pizza, I went back and reread a bit about uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and his relapse, his slide happened. I saw his, his widow talking about it. He'd been sober for 20 years, and then he... Said to his wife one day, "I'd like to start trying to drink again." And so he started just having a couple. Of, <laughs> he started just having like a couple of beers for real, for real reels. She she wrote this essay about it a, a few years ago. He started having a couple of beers, and then he got prescription pills, and then it just all spiraled. And she knew he was going to die. Good And God. even when he started drinking again, she was like, "Yeah, this is bad news. Like, I know where it's going." That was it. He just wanted. He wanted to have wine with his dinner. Did they stay together until Uh, he died? They they hadn't separated, but he moved out because he was dealing with his uh, addiction. Because he was a heroin addict. And had he been a heroin addict before? I don't know if he was an. I guess he was an addict, but yeah, he'd used heroin uh, in his twenties, and he was a big drinker. God damn, that's so sad. He'd used everything, and then he got sober. He'd fallen out with people at AA that was another big thing he'd argued with his aa friends and i think that uh, there was a series of things that led to him leaving his therapist his long-term therapist died and all these things kind of combined and he uh, eventually started drinking again and that was it if you're just
2: tuning in folks we're here with the zoe kravitz and philip seymour hoffman <laughs> podcast <laughs> yes, yes.
1: Uh. sponsored by mike flanagan sobriety and <laughs> atheism
2: folks Uh, surmise the batman film is really worth watching i will watch it again certainly
1: thoughts yeah i will watch it again i think it could be like you said with the with the overarching noir mystery it might be the kind of thing that i will enjoy more a second time around when you there's like there's something to be said for knowing where something's going it can be a more satisfying affair like when i watch prisoners now i enjoyed prisoners the first time i watched it Mm. But w- when I watch Prisoners Now, I love it because I love every single element of it. I felt that way with Seven for a long time. Mm. I don't th- I think I've watched Seven too many times, plus it's like almost it's coming up on thirty years of, of old now. So I think I, I watched every single piece of joy out of Seven. Yeah. But I there's there's something It's been to be a long time since like, I've seen that. I might watch it again. I watched it within the last year or so. But yeah, there's something to be said for when you see something like maybe three or four times, and it's a sweet spot of everything all lines up perfectly.
2: It's the exact reason I'm afraid to watch The Master again, but I will.
1: It's interesting, those films. I mean, I guess it's like the director has seen the film hundreds of hundreds of times. Yes. And makes little cuts to things where they're like, yeah, we don't need that, we don't need that. But it means sometimes that a first-time viewer can be a bit overwhelmed. Mm. And you do need to see it at least, like, a couple of times to really appreciate something.
2: I like that in a film. I like seeing a film yeah. going, oh, I'm definitely going to have to it's watch like this a again. a
1: difficult album.
2: All right, fucker. Are we back next week for Jalo? Uh,
1: yeah, that's right. What did we say we're going to watch? I'm really not looking forward to them. I'm sure they're great.
2: <laughs> Profundo hard times. Can I just red?
1: Can I just watch Dr. Sleep again? Yes. You, make, I feel safe when I watch Dr. Sleep.
2: You watch Dr. Sleep again. I'll watch the two giallos and we'll just get on <laughs> yeah, with it, all right?
1: compare. We'll compare. Um, so wait, that, remind me of what those films are again. I have them. Profundo Rossi,
2: them. Uh, Deep Red, and uh, Suspiria. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, yeah.
1: The two, Dario Argent. Yes.
2: Although Argent-O. the latter not quite considered a Jallo film, just an Argento film. But more on that next week when I nerd out yeah. on all
1: my Jello knowledge, you're gonna love it. I'll just be in silence for two hours while you talk
0: to
2: me. <laughs> I'm very things. interested to see how you get on with these, because <laughs> yeah. it's really maybe not I'll for like everyone. Them. Like,
1: maybe I will like them as long as they feature Hugh McGregor as Danny Torrance. I'll be, I'll be fine.
2: They have Ewan McGregor as da- Danny Torrance, and um, then, uh. uh a blonde lady married to a Saturday night vampires? alumni uh, playing a harp. Wait,
1: are, are there actually? Wait don't, wait, don't don't tell me if they're vampires. Well, that.
2: I haven't seen Deep Red, um, but you, okay. you don't know what Suspiria is about? No.
1: Nope. Oh, well, I guess you'll find Suspire. out. Suspire. It's about sus- suspiration, I guess.
2: Yes, indeed. And then there's the remake by Call Me By Your Name, fella, and Tom York did a good oh, song yeah. for the soundtrack.
1: Tom, Tom York, so Tom. I heard, but... I don't want to watch what it. What a tit,
2: keeping that H in his name. Just get rid of the t- Thomas. Yeah, yeah. None of us Thomas. pronounce it. <laughs> I do. Tom. Thom. Thom. York. He's
1: Tom York. Tom. Old Tommy. <laughs> t- <laughs> Tommy <laughs>
2: boy. Yorkie. It was, art- it was an
1: artistic <laughs> choice. But imagine, that's a bad thing Wanker. when you do something when you're 20 or so and you have to live with it forever. <laughs> oh, for sure, yeah. It's being tied to something when you had like insane morals. Tom York. And, and and ideas, artistic ideas.
2: Johnny Greenwood. Is there any way to pronounce that uh, without the H in it? Wait, has
1: Johnny Greenwood got an H or no He's got no H. So then he gave it to Thom. Yeah, he gave Tom his H. Maybe that's what happened. We should start some kind of petition, change.org, to get Johnny Greenwood his H back from Thom.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Thom it can just be Tom, which is what everyone calls him. Yeah. God, we mustn't be that interested in
1: Batman. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I just I just looked at a
1: picture of Johnny Greenwood and he looks a bit like Robert Pattinson. He got he's, he's got, got the got, vibes got goth in this, hair. Yeah, yeah, he's got goth hair.
2: Uh, who, uh, Explains a lot. What rock musician do you think would be a good fit to to play Batman?
1: Probably Mick Jagger.
2: I'm going to say it's just uh, coming around. I'm going to say Trent Reznor.
1: Trent Reznor is a good choice. Uh, that's that's that would be. He should be in the Crow if they make. I think are they making another Crow? I would They were have trying Reznor to for
2: ages that. with them. Um, What's his I'll name? I'll do Corin Hardy. Corin Hardy. I should be in the Crow. I could do that. You'd be a good Crow, I think.
1: Yeah, I would be a good Crow.
2: I mean, you'd be like no, you'd be one of the guys can't that, rain that all kill the, the kill, kill the girlfriend. <laughs> I would
1: be. I'd be. I'd be Michael Massey. I would kill Brandon Lee. That's I've never seen do. that movie. I've never For seen real. the Crow. You haven't watched the Crow. Come no. on, it's it's like it's just like the Batman except shorter. Just like the the word Not crow is shorter than Batman by two letters. And on that bombshell.
2: (laughs) Bye. 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 Bye.